Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jags Across the Pond podcast. We have got a very special podcast today. We are joined with Brit Jag also. So, firstly, Robson, good to good to see you. Good to hear you. How are you doing, Robson? Uh, very well, thank you, mate. Um, all all better for today's podcast. We've got some really positive to talk about. Joined by a guest as well, which is always good to have on a different opinion instead of hearing me and you blabber on. Um, yeah, really looking forward to today, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, it's been a couple of months since we've um, actually done a, a podcast, to be honest. So um, we're kind of a bit out of touch and it's like we're kind of starting again, really. <laughs> and what best way to start again, post-draft, talking about the, the draft and bringing in a guest, Brick Jag. Brick Jag, how are you doing? Welcome to Jags Across the Ponds podcast. How is it going? Yeah, it's really good. Thanks for having me. Um, I know obviously we've talked about doing this for a while, about getting together and um, talking some Jag stuff. So yeah, I'm very much in a similar boat to you guys. Not done much the last couple of months just because there hasn't really been that much to talk about. So uh, glad to get back into it, really. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been quite boring, hasn't it, actually, to be honest? Um, this kind of this break after our long end of season um, and then getting to this point really has been quite boring. Then we had an exciting couple of weeks just before the draft, which I'll just quickly touch on. And that was the free agency market um, where we picked up six new free agencies. Um, we picked up um, a star cornerback, Shaquille Griffin. Um, absolutely fantastic high signing, probably the biggest highlight of the free agency market for us. Um, we also picked up Rayshawn Jenkins in at safety, probably taking up the next safety um, starting spot. Um, two big defensive players we picked up there, um, which I think is an absolutely great um, attribute to the team and really going to help us excel going forward as we were the worst ranked defence last year. So we definitely need to make some changes. Um, and then on offence, we made, um, I think our biggest signing was probably Marvin Jones from the Detroit Lions and at wide receiver. Um, he's going to complement the wide receiver room alongside, obviously, DJ Chark, um, LaVisca Chanel and whoever else we're going to have playing there as well. Because we also picked up Jamal Agnew as well in the wide receiver bracket. Um, might play more of a role on the special teams, um, but again, another player we picked up. And the final two players we picked up was a tight end. Um, not the high-hitting tight end name we were expecting to kind of pick up at the beginning of the free agency. We picked up Chris Manhurts. Um, again, a, a solid, a solid blocking tight end, um, but we're still out there looking for that receiving tight end. And then we've brought back running back Carlos Hyde. He has been reunited with the Jaguars and reunited with Urban Meyer. What's your thoughts, your initial kind of reactions from that free agency? How do you think we did, guys? Um, I think overall, I think we addressed a lot of needs. Um, and that was the, the main thing for me, especially with the um, Shaq Griffin. Um, sign in obviously cornerback was a was a big concern and this is the defense um, secondary as, as a whole really um, for me the the one disappointment other than missing out on the big name tight ends was um, Aluwalu um, obviously looking yeah. like we had him and I thought it was that was a really really solid addition as well and to have him kind of kind of ripped out from underneath us was a was a bit of a blow yeah just to add to that I think um Looking at it, I think it's clear to see that the new regime have come in and noticed that, right, the money that we've got at our disposal has got to be spent in the in the most needed areas. And obviously our offence from last year showed good signs. So not too much to tinker with there, apart from obviously Marvin Jones coming in and Agnew also. Um, but I think, as you say, like we pumped a lot of money into the into the secondary and made sure that we brought in players that we know can play at, um, at a high calibre level, which is obviously what Urban Meyer has spoken about, obviously being great, being plus two of a everybody else in the league so just making sure that people come in with the right sort of attitude I think that's what we've discussed Jamie is you've got players on that roster from last year which you questioned and obviously you questioned CJ Henderson most notably uh, for his attitude at times but you're bringing in players here that have come from certain regimes that are quite long lasting and they've shown uh, they can play at the highest level throughout the league really which is what we want to do when become a winning team. Yeah, I think you're both right there. We picked up um, a few desperate needs that we needed from last season, but I think there was quite a lot of need in the team, being a 1-15 team, unfortunately. Um, but that leads us on to a fantastic draft podcast today. Um, and why is it fantastic? Because we had the number one overall pick. 
we picked up the lovely Trevor Lawrence, the guy who, if you've been listening to our podcast since day one, I said we was never tanking for at the beginning of last year. <laughs> Changed my um, attitude and opinion on that after about week three when we lost um, two games on the bounce. Uh, actually, no, it might have been week four because actually I was still quite hyped up even after the Titans lost because that was still quite a good game. Uh, but yeah, week four, definitely. I definitely was deflated then and was on the, the tanking train with everybody else. Um, so what we're going to do is um, I'm going to kind of leave you guys to kind of tell us a little bit about these players. And we're going to take it in turns, just telling me what we know and why we've kind of taken on these players and what they're going to bring to the team. So um, I'm going to start with you, Robson. Obviously, you've got the you've got the easy one. You've got the superstar, uh, Mr. Trevor Lawrence um, from Clemson. Just one quick fact: um, he is the, he was the second player, second Clemson player the Jags have ever drafted. So we've only ever drafted another Clemson player back in 2012, Andre Branch. And um, so he was only a second ever player that we took on. So what what do you know about Trevor Lawrence? What what, what's he going to bring to us, Robson? Oh, mate, at the end of the day, I wish I could just sit here and just like just say his name and then just drop the <laughs> mic, really, because I think, obviously, as Jags fans have known, since we went and got the, obviously, could the number one pick, we knew we were going to get him, but all all three of us here can probably hand on heart say, with the Jaguars, you never knew if we were actually going to get him or not. We'd probably find some way to mess it up and uh, something like that. But no, no, a guy coming in with a 34-2 and record at Clemson, um, he had to follow up Deshaun Watson from Clemson, who's obviously in our division uh, currently. Um, and to be fair, to say he did a good job is a bit of an understatement. He did an a, unreal job. People were questioning, yeah, Clemson's a great programme, got great players around him, but you still need a quarterback that can lead that team and make sure the ball goes in the right places. And I think that's what the Jags have missed, to be honest with you. Um, I know it sounds silly. We could have gone and probably got anybody that would have been better than what we've had before. But you bring in someone, I don't like to use the term generational talent, but if you look at the pool of quarterbacks that have come out of this draft, I like to think he's way ahead of all of them. And then you think about the certain players that they compare him to also in terms of Joey Burrow from last year. I think he's he's equally up there um, in terms of statistics, but from his college, uh, college career, 67% pass completion, uh, over um, over 10,000 passing yards, 90 touchdowns to the 17 interceptions. Um, so it shows over that three-year period, he's been very, very good with the ball. One thing I've noticed from the tape as well is that anything outside the numbers uh, he seems to be pretty solid with. I know there's a few uh, scares here and there, but he's a bit of an overthrower. But I'd rather him be that than be undercooking it and giving a, I mean, giving a defensive player like obviously a chance to to nab the ball. So anything outside the numbers, I think, which is what we've missed. Uh, someone trying to be direct, and I think most of all they've found a quarterback that's really going to complement what we've got on offense. Obviously, you put Daryl Bevel in um, as our OC, and the offense we saw from last year with the, the certain weapons we've got and also we've added, uh, I think it's going to be a, a an exciting time for, for us, really. Um, I don't know if Richard wants to just touch on anything with Trevor Lawrence quickly before we move on, but I don't think there's anything much to say. But it's just that I think the excitement of it is just through the roof, really. I think having someone like him to be a Jaguar, which is probably what we wanted for since we've supported them, uh, I think it's such a positive thing going forward. And it's made me really excited to, to obviously see what he's got this season. Yeah, I mean, much the same as yourself. Like, like, there's not much to add. It's just, I mean, I say his name and I, a, a big stupid smile comes across my face. Like, it's just exciting and just seeing the coverage the Jags are getting and the just being able to watch content and hearing us talk about it is 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 so refreshing because let's face it, for so long we've just been an afterthought. We are kind of yeah. we we're only ever really referenced in the NFL as a butt of a joke, and it's just really refreshing to actually hear people talking positively about us and being excited for to, to see what we're going to do yeah absolutely great i think like, like you said there lee um i seen a, a friend in um, jacksonville and he was at the stadium when they announced the trevor lawrence picking and it was just kind of electrifying there even though it was only a um limited capacity um everyone was was celebrating with glee and everyone was just so happy um, and it was just a just a great vibe, which is the first first time in many years, I think, as being a Jags fan to to kind of feel that way before the guys even actually put on a Jags jersey and even threw a ball yet. You know, um, just to give us that kind of hope and not just um, relying on luck, I suppose, which is what's kind of happened over the last few years, um, actually relying on some actual pure talent um, that is obviously proven with stats and records um, prior to actually joining the club. So. 
That then moves on to our second pick. Um, a bit of a question mark for some people. Um, so our 25th pick overall. Um, it was another Clemson player. So we have now got a Clemson duo. Um, Trevor Lawrence is teaming up with Travis Etienne, running back at Clemson also. Lee, why why did we take Etienne and what what why at 25th? Why is he so good? Well, I think the, the big thing, um, everything I've kind of watched with him, everything I've read about him, the the phrase that's used a lot is he's a, he's a big play player. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that is only going to add to our offense. Obviously, we've, we, we have got talent there. It's not a position of great need. James Robinson had a great year last year. And with Carlos Hyde showing he can do it elsewhere, obviously his last time with us with, with us wasn't great. But... Um, he's gone away and had successful um, seasons. So it wasn't a position of need. And I think that's what caused the questions. But I don't really necessarily think he's going to fill the traditional running back role. I expect him to be much more of a pass catching running back um, and be used also in, in in somewhat of a wide receiver role, really. Um, so uh, James Robinson stays at number one. I don't think there's any doubt about that because um, Urban Meyer, the people were questioning his quote, because he said he, they brought him in for a um, he's a third down back, and people said, well, why are you using a why are you using a 25th pick for a third <laughs> down back? But obviously, then you got to remember the third down. If you're at the third down, it's an important play, and you need to make you need to get the conversion. That's 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 what it is, and and having the faith in someone to be able to come in and and just get you that first down is critical in the NFL. And I, I think that's what they've, they've gone for because he is so versatile. I mean, like I say, I, I still think it is probably a reach ability wise for the, 20, uh, the 25th pick, but I, I know there were rumors that the bills were considering him um, and the other players we had on our board, obviously once we'll get to later, were still expected to be there at 33. So I think, I think that's probably what made, Urban um, and Trent pull the pull the trigger and, and go for him. Um, like I say, I certainly don't think it's a bad pick, and it's it's not going to hurt us in any way. Um, and and the, I don't think you can also dismiss the relationship um, that they've already got him and Trevor Lawrence have already got that relationship, and that that could be that could be massive um, coming into a new a new team a new environment having that link up already. I don't see it being anything other than a benefit. Yeah, I think you're right. Robson, anything to add on that one? Yeah, I think I think everything that Lee said there's bang on. I think I think the way I look at it is we failed to really bring in a massive tight end. And I've things I've seen of him, as I say, as Lee said there, he'd be more of a passing back. Uh, I think there is some bits of tape where he's actually lined up in the slot, and I think that could be a bit of a problem, uh, which most notably you like you tend to see covered by a nickel corner with a tight end. That's probably where you see a tight end be near there, sort of thing. But I think he offers that that flexibility, and we could see a lot of um, two down back play. I think in terms of him and obviously being on the field at the same time, and I think that could cause so much confusion. Okay, where's he going to go? What are we going to do here? Like, oh my God, you've got Etienne over here, you've got Robertson here as well. I think it just causes so many more problems. And I think it just I think it draws attention away from like the likes of uh, DJ Chark, Chanel, players that were really explosive last year. Um, I think it opens more doors for them also looking at it. And again, it might even help Robinson out. It might uh, make him dig his heels in after he do a bit better also. But I think overall, I think the third down is probably where you're going to look at it. I think in terms of a big play perspective, you're probably looking at someone like an Alvin Kamara uh, in terms of the way that he could be on the field. He's, he, can be, like, he can be on the field at all three downs, which I think Robinson really hasn't. I think he's more of a two down back in terms of being an explosive, powerful runner. So I think having that that flexibility of someone coming on third down and make it really difficult. I think it's just something that it's quite exciting to think about, really. And I think people talk about the Clemson uh, scheme is obviously very, very college friendly, not much uh, pro look to it. So and I, in that, you see a load of screens being thrown and stuff like that. And I think someone like Etienne, who has that link with Lawrence already, as you already said, I think it's massive and that could benefit us as well uh, in that aspect of the offence. Yeah, so um, like Urban Meyer said, um, when he said it was a third down back also, he said he wanted obviously speed, and he's certainly got speed vetting there, <laughs> 4.45, 40 yards um, in, on his pro day. 
um, is, is the ACC all-time rushing leader as well. So um, as much as we probably put a question mark as why did we pick a, a running back at 25th overall, I think picking him was, is still going to, like Lee said, it's going to bring in some massive attributes to us and it's going to, it can only be a positive really. Um, we, we missed out on obviously the, the Kyle Pitts who we were looking at, obviously he went fourth overall. Um, so arguably was there, was there a good enough tight end that we, we should have taken over um, Etienne? Maybe not. And that's probably why we took him. Um, moving on to, so that, that concluded day one. Um, did any of you two actually stay up and watch the whole of that or did yeah. you just fall asleep? Yeah. Uh, it was a tough. It was tough going, but yeah. Yeah. Came in Etienne, and I was kind of like Roger Goodell sat in that chair. I just nodded off after that. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it, and then I watched. Um, I, I watched it the following morning and just skipped to the two Jags picks. God knows why, um, because they were over in like two seconds. So, um, yeah. So moving on to the start of day two. So um, we had the first pick of day two as well, the thirty-third pick. Um, before the pick of the day, we were and um, we were talking about picking up a nice safety um, was who we thought was going to be next on the board. We was favourite to pick up a safety at the end of day one. Um, and then then kind of the odds and everything completely changed. And then over the course of a couple of hours, we then heard uh, a few whispers about CJ Henderson. Um, his kind of cards are marked and he deleted Jags on social media, but no one actually ever knew if he was actually liking Jags on Instagram and stuff on social media. And there was a lot of kind of whispers and hearsay going around here. And then we then fall to our 33rd overall pick. We picked up Tyson Campbell, who was a cornerback coming out of Georgia. Um, so we don't really know what kind of has gone on there and why we made this decision. But Robson, why, why did we pick up Campbell? What's good about him? Well, I think I think most notably, I think we've all spoke before in the past over the cornerback position, and it's been a best, like it's been a desperate need. So I think it was a case yeah. of instead of the pick of Campbell, I think it's a case of looking at the board and how obviously Elamar and Trent Bucky saw the board falling, because um, obviously we, as, as you said there, safety was a bigger need in my uh, in my book. But again, I think in terms of working out the board and who was where and obviously how they've obviously recruited these players, um, I think. Overall, you look at someone who's obviously got a lot of room to grow. Um, six, I think it's six two hundred and ninety pounds. I think it's a good size. Uh, Georgia are fairly good at bringing through good cornerbacks. I know AJ Terrell went to the Falcons a couple of years ago, and he's been pretty solid since he's been there. Um, so I think I think that's a big thing for us. I think overall, um, I know people do talk about he's he's not great in coverage, um, but man to man, he's he's pretty rapid. I'm not too sure what he registered in a forty time, but I know uh, I think people have said. Um, some tape I've seen is that if you if you've got a quick player up against him, he tends to try and keep him fairly quiet. Um, obviously, only registering one pick uh, at Georgia, I believe, um, over the period of games that he played. So does it stand out as a ball hawk, really, like someone like Jalen Ramsey, who we've had in the past, where he just seems to find the ball and it sticks. Um, but again, I think he's a player which, obviously, Evan Myers uh, stated, a player with versatility. So could play on the outside against a speed guy, against a bit of a tricky opponent on the inside. I think he'd be quite good. So. I don't think he'll be really competing with Griffin and CJ Henderson. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Henderson at the moment. I think all three of us here are probably really confused as what's going on with him. Um, but I think you're more looking at when he gets to camp, Trey Herndon and Sidney Jones are probably his two biggest rivals, I'd say, to try and really nick that third spot. But then again, obviously, I couldn't see a problem with him going straight in if Henderson did decide to walk away or something happened with him at all like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just probably a bit of a reach, as we said there. But I think in terms of the way that they saw the board falling. They probably missed some conversations, but overall, you've got a, a flexible, a flexible guy that obviously can obviously has room to grow really, and his ceiling is quite high. So, what do you what do you think about that, Lee? So, um, obviously, we've got we obviously we picked up Shaquille Griffin, and obviously Robson mentioned obviously we've got CJ Henderson as well. Um, we are likely to play a nickel um, this season quite regularly as well. Um, where do you kind of see where do you see Tyson Campbell fit in that kind of regime? Yeah, so. I think, yeah, I, I agree with everything Robson said, really. And it, it, the secondary is a, is a big area of need. And and, and we've seen when even the, even one injury, um, like last year with, with CJ Henderson having to kind of come in and out of games. And even when Sidney Jones, he suffered a, a bit as well. So I definitely think it's, it's a position that we need not only solid stars, but we need depth and we need quality depth. So... I've got I've got no concerns about the position, but as we've said, and I think it feels like a bit of a 
a pattern with some of the, the picks that we're going to discuss later as well. It does feel at times they're a bit of a reach and they may well have been on the board come a later pick. But I mean, it's easy to say that in, in hindsight and they've just, and obviously they've just got to pick what they think and what we need. And, and obviously w- once we know what's going on with, with CJ Henderson, we'll, we'll have a, a better idea, but the rumors section about injury or that he just doesn't, he's, he's fed up with it. He's, he's not interested in being in the NFL anymore. And, and obviously as, as we know, Twitter, Twitter's a nightmare of stuff like that. And it, it could literally just be nothing. He's, he's never, as you mentioned, he, he could never have followed Jags on Insta. Yeah. And it's just, everything's blown out of proportion and just urban felt we needed a bit of depth at cornerback and that's, that's it. But yeah, no, it, it is, a, it's definitely a pick of need. And um, yeah. And like I say, I, I, I don't even think it's that much of a reach. I think um, if we had taken him with the second, uh, the second of our second round picks, um, I don't think anyone would have, would have been complaining. And um, that was only about 10 picks later. So um, I'm not, not too fast now. Yeah. I think it set up some some good healthy competition in that cornerback um, kind of um, kind of area and all the DBs to be honest. Um, and what we've seen as well um, after the draft, and CJ Henderson actually um, graduated um, at Florida, and Urban Meyer had congratulated him on Twitter and things like that as well. So um, I, I don't think it's all the negativity that was kind of coming out before the draft, just before that pick. Um, I think obviously he's just um, coming back from the rehab from his um, knee and um, groin injury, sorry, last season. Um, and hopefully that is all the case. And we get the CJ Henderson back who we had in week one of um, last season because that was fantastic. And we were really looking optimistic on CJ Henderson's career. Um, but then it all kind of went downhill from there, in my opinion. Um, but hey, let's move on from that one. Um, so next we have um, Walker Little. It was our first offensive um, tackle. So the first O-line player we finally picked up. The, the kind of position we were kind of praying for from from the beginning and thought we was going to pick that up in the free agency market. But so we picked up Walker Little from Stamford, offensive tackle. Um, Lee, give us a little bit of info on Walker Little if you can. OK, so from what I've seen of, of Walker Little, he's not a player I had really um, done much research going into the draft. Um, wasn't a player I was overly aware of. Um, as you're probably aware, he opted out for the 2020 season because uh, due to COVID. And the season before that, he was injured uh, in the season opener um, and was out for the year. So going back, there's, there's very little um, recent tape on him. Um, but, I mean, everything about the guy says that he has a high ceiling and there is the potential there. I mean, his head coach, uh, David Shaw from uh, Stanford, basically felt that if for the if with, not for that injury and without him opting out, there's no reason he wouldn't have been a top a first round pick, a potentially top fifteen. Wow. So I mean, he, he's yeah, there's, there's obviously quite a bit, big bit of praise, and he's gonna he's gonna big him up. But he goes on to say a lot of it, like his characteristics are what you'd want. I mean, he's six foot six, three hundred thirteen pounds. Like he is like a dream cool. offensive lineman. That's that's what you want. He is very controlled and composed, um, which I think is very beneficial he's not very quick he's not quick with his hands so not not in a negative way but he's not quick to kind of push off and he's he's very reactive and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing with our our o-line with the amount of flags we get for full start <laughs> it might it, it, that could be a really welcome addition on our o-line um so yeah like i said he, he's only had the the one solid year really but it was a very good uh sophomore year um he earned first team all pack 12 um honors in like i said so obviously his second year in college football and in regards to weakness there isn't an awful lot really it's kind of it is very nitpicky but it's obviously it is the injuries it's the injury concern and him being out of out of the game for so long and how long is it going to take to get him back up to speed and being in a position to to play to the nfl level in regards to his game, I suppose it would be he's quite, he's a little inconsistent with his run blocking. That's that's probably his biggest weakness. Um, it obviously opening holes for the running back. So for me, this is a pick that's all about Urban Meyer with his um, ideology of there are no bad players, there are only bad coaches, and he sees that every player should be able to reach their potential with the right coaching. 
And I feel, again, like I said, like I said before, I feel like it's a kind of pattern with a lot of their picks. They're looking at the ceiling and they don't see any reason why they shouldn't be able to coach these players to that ceiling. And again, if 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 we if he reaches the ceiling, then we have got a top quality offensive tackle there. And let's face it, it's, it's a position of need. I know we've franchise tagged Cam, but I don't see him being a long term fix. Um, he's average at best. So yeah, I, I think again he, with his injuries and his, his record, he was he was he was tagged as a kind of a third to even fourth round grade. Um, so again, it's probably a bit of a reach, but I think they're looking at the ceiling. So I suppose trying to be positive and going with that. Yeah, I think it could be a, a huge gamble that could pay off massively um, if we get that performance out of him. Um, I've seen a few things and what people have said um, might not get that kind of that that kind of top capability in year one from him. Um, but maybe we are looking at the future. So the 2022, 2023 um, we're looking at him kind of excelling and shining again because a guy who's not played um, for well, pretty much two years now, um, it's going to take a little while to get back in the swing of things. And that kind of gives us a chance to kind of see out the kind of the, the O-line we've currently got at the moment with a couple of players, the likes of Cam Robinson and people like that. Um, I can see it being um, a positive if the gamble pays off. What, what do you think, Robson? Do you think that we maybe could have got him a little later on? And we probably should have got someone before then? Or do you think that that point there at 45th overall was the right time for a player who hasn't actually played for two seasons? Yeah, I think it's coming off the back of Urban Meyer's uh, in-depth knowledge to the to the college game, I think. I don't think this would have been much of a Trent Bulky, uh thought process. I think Urban Meyer would have probably led this quite away. Um, I probably would have been... I think if he'd have failed to around 60, 65, he probably would have gotten with a third round pick, just, just purely because of the opt-out and obviously his injury cons- injury concerns. Uh, but obviously we had enough ammo to wiggle back at the board if we felt someone was going to take him. So I think we probably could have used that pick a bit wiser. But again, I think obviously what Lee stated, uh, Cam Robinson's got to have an unreal year for us to pay in big time next year. So I think moving forward, if they can get this year of getting obviously little into a into a more game-ready phase and just ease him in, uh, obviously, slowly, then I think we could probably see him starting there next year, um, along with Juwan Taylor on the other side. So I think that's the way we're really going to go. Again, I'm kind of happy either way. He seems really, really good in terms of what I hear about him and stuff like that. Uh, all the reports say he's quite good, um, but yeah, probably a, little, just a bit of it too high in terms of, uh, in terms of pick position, I think, for me. Yeah. So moving on to the next pick. Um, so the 65th pick overall, we picked up Andre Sisko, um, safety out of Syracuse. Um, we've heard quite a few positive things about this and um, I hope you've got some good stats on him, Robson, because I've heard some really good positive things and I've heard we've got a steal here, picking him up at 65th. What do you know about him? Well, I think in t- like, if you want to stat straight off the bat, I know over the three years at Syracuse, he's only played 24 games, uh, which is kind of, yeah, a little bit concerning and runs along with the walk a little thing in terms of injuries, a bit panicky, but um, 13 interceptions in that uh, in that time frame. Um, so if we're looking over a three-year average of um, a college player, uh, over the last three years, the Jaguars have only got eight interceptions as a, as a safety group as a whole, yeah. uh, which is uh, which is quite big anyway. So you're looking at that there immediately you're thinking, the guy must be a bull hawk. He must be all the way... At, all the way around the um, the field, obviously. And I think the guys, again, he's, I think like Campbell, he's, he's very versatile. Um, I think he probably would be edging to, uh, to get in front of Jared Wilson uh, when he comes in and obviously partner with Sean Jenkins, which again, he's another ball, ball hawking uh, safety too. So I think having those two there behind our corners, I think it's just really, really exciting. Um, and obviously this pick, which we spoke about, obviously, Morrigan, obviously Jevin Holland, who went a bit earlier than him. I think it's a position of, of massive need. We've both both struggled, uh, and obviously Lee have also with just the. I think the safety play as a whole, as a group, has been shocking since the 2017 season. Really, it's just gone downhill badly. So um, he kind of really rounds off that defensive backfield quite well. And I think again, Urban Meyer can't talk highly enough about him. I don't think um, obviously injuries again is a bit of a worry, but I think overall grand scheme of things, if it had been fully fit, again, like Waterloo, we could have been up in the first round or maybe top of the second, but we were lucky enough to obviously have him down there um, at pick 65. So uh, for me, yeah, very exciting. Again, I know what Lee's thoughts on that as well, but I think it's just, again, another really good attitude player, as if that's the worst English you could ever hear. Um, I think in terms of he just oozes everything that Urban Meyer is, everything's positive, everything's hard-hitting. We go at these sort of teams and we try and be the best that we possibly can. 
Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Lee? I mean, I, from what I've seen, the videos I've seen, I'm actually really excited about this pick. Um, we did see he did come down, he did have a torn ACL, um, which he actually did in a warm-up, and he missed 11 games last season. But from the videos I've seen, it's probably the Sean. The videos I've seen, um, he's probably the most excited, excitable player. I'm kind of looking forward to getting back in those DBs in that DB class. What, what have you seen anything, Lee, on this one? Yeah, so I mean, I think for as a whole, I think he is. A, he's going to be. He's going to be great. And as Rob said, everything you read about him and you see at him, he is a ball hawk. He he's he managed to pick the ball off in some unreal positions mm. and situations. Yeah. And yeah, it, obviously a different position, but to a degree, some of his inceptions remind me of Jalen Ramsey, oh, where boy. he seems to almost Ooh. come out of nowhere. He just seems to come out of nowhere, like Jalen used to. And mm. like, the, the game against the Eagles in London springs to mind, where he kind of just it's across yeah, the end. Yeah. And like say watching tape, and that's that's the kind of vibe I get from him. And so obviously from that aspect, it, it's quite exciting. I mean, the only I think the only criticism I'd see. I've seen of watching him and reading about him is that his tackling still a little bit lightweight and too many ball carriers are kind of getting past him and kind of brushing him off. And, um, and obviously in a division with the likes of Derek Henry and things like that, he's going to probably need to beef up that a bit. So um, I'm sure I'll have it on it, but that, that's probably the closest thing I could have to a criticism. I think it, it's just, it's just going to be a more consistent tackling. And, and obviously that is, part of that is being going from college to the NFL and a lot of DBs will have this issue um, so it's not a real area of concern it's just going from tackling boys to tackling men and and that is that's the that's the real um, that is basically what it comes down to I mean overall I everywhere I'm seeing he had a kind of second round grade so I mean to get him yeah. in, the, in the third I mean that, that that's a bonus and like I say especially a position of need and I would have loved Trayvon Morig. I I really thought he was going to be our 25th pick, and then when we went to day three and we we were st- he was still on the board and we had 33 and we didn't take him. I was like, oh, I, I did. There was an element of panic, but no. <laughs> given the situation, I don't think they could have done that any better. So no, I'm pleased. Yeah, definitely. So that concluded the day two of the draft, um, with the rest of the picks being picked up the following day. Um, we moved on to um, the fourth round, which the Jaguars did their announcements from London. And just for the benefit of anybody who hasn't heard this before, we'll play this for you now. This was um, the announcement after we picked our fourth round pick, which we're going to talk about in a second. Lee's going to go on, but we just want to just play this for a second. Let's go, JJ's. Let's go. Let's go, JJ's, let's go. Live from London, as we announced the 106th pick on the start of day three. Let's go, JJ's, let's go. Um, That was from an NHS worker from London. I haven't got his name. I apologise if you listen to this. Um, He's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Um, A lot of US Jags fans have been having a good laugh on this one and it's it's certainly the first time I've ever heard that chance of let's go JJ's let's go I actually thought it was in relation to the pick that we picked up mm. um but it wasn't until I listened to it back it was JJ's meaning Jacksonville Jaguars um so on the start of that day live from London thought it'd be fitting for you to talk about this Brit Jag Jay Defelli um, live from Wembley Stadium, where hopefully we're, we're going to be coming back to this season. We can all have a nice meet-up. Do you know much about Jay Tafeli? So, again, he's uh, another pick we've made that opted out last year. Um, in an interview he gave, he, he kind of explained that his, his family was hit quite hard with COVID, his sister especially. Um, he didn't go into an awful lot of detail, but it sounded like she got very, very ill with it. And I suppose it, it and understandably, it, it gave him obviously a, a big area of concern and, and he made the decision to opt out. Um, so, again, it, it is a very unusual draft because you, you do have these players that are opting out that are are good talent and uh, potentially it's causing them to fall. What I'd say is overall, I, th- I think I think this is a is a bit of a steal. I really like it. The do you, 
defensive tackle position is somewhat of an unknown for us, I think, going into this uh, going into this season with with the talk of this new hybrid defense and and what we're going to do. Um, he's a very athletic player. Um, yeah, he's he's very notable as a run stopper, which obviously is something we've we've really struggled with in the past. Uh, that that's his real strong point, um, stopping the run game. Um, but he is also for for a very big guy. He's he's very light on his feet um, and agile. Um, and so there's going to be that that quarterback rushing aspect to his game as well. So I personally think, yeah, I'm I'm quite pleased with him. Kind of, I, I think he's probably around about a third round talent. Um, I mean, looking at Lin, Lindy's uh, draft guide, actually gave him a first round grade initially. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, on, on average, from a lot of the ones I've seen, he's kind of is more all kind of around about the third round. But even still, picking him up in the fourth—that's that, not a bad thing. And again, it, I, from what I understand, our, our defense is going to be uh, very rotational, and there'll be lots of players kind of cycling in and out, very much like the Ra- Ravens. Um, yeah. Obviously, with with Bevel coming over, um, it's going to have that kind of feel to it. So, yeah, quality depth in that position is is not going to be a bad thing, and somewhat of a steal, I think. Good. That's that's quite a positive thing to hear. That. So then shortly after that, we then had a little bit of excitement. We decided to trade away a few picks. Um, so we traded away our 130th pick, 170th pick and our 249th pick. We then traded up with the Rams and took their 121st pick and their sixth round 209th pick. So we gave away three picks and picked up two, but we managed to move nine places at the board. And that main reason was because we wanted to um, pick up Jordan Smith. Um, Jordan Smith, um, defensive ends coming out of UAB, um, also was announced from Wembley Stadium. So I think, Lee, this is over to you again. Um, Did you know much about Jordan Smith? Because I certainly did not see this guy on any radar um, when I was looking at mock drafts and stuff when I was originally doing this. So um, do you know anything about Jordan Smith? Um. No, again, it was a player that wasn't on my radar, if I'm perfectly yeah. honest with you. Um, again, it's another position. As we've said, we had a lot of gaps in our in our team. There was a lot of positions that needed filling and we needed depth. Obviously, with uh, Josh Allen and Clayvon Chase on, um, especially with the, how we played the end part of the year, there's, there's, there's positives there. But we do need backup and we, we need depth to the position. Um, in regards to the trade, I'm not overly fast, to be honest. When you start trading around picks, those later rounds, I don't feel like you're losing that much. I mean, you're losing it kind of, I suppose, a, a bit of a shot in the dark, really, or a, a practice squad player, maybe. Um, at best, it's, it's very rare you're going to hit a star at one of those. And obviously, it's not impossible, but it does, it didn't bother me too much. Obviously, Urban felt the need to make sure we, we secured him and that there must be reason behind that. And I think a big part of that is again it's, it's his ceiling and that, that's what anything I've read has said that he has does have a high ceiling he is a very raw and he's going to require require a lot of development um but yeah he, he from what I've read he, he hasn't played an awful lot um he's still quite inexperienced and he is just going to need a lot of development but like I say Urban saw something enough in him to be willing to sacrifice a pick be it, be it even if it's a late round one, he saw something enough that he didn't want someone else to get him and he'd give up that for it. So um, it, it's one of those players that I'm looking forward to seeing. But yeah, the, the jury's still out really until we can, um, until we see him on an NFL field. It's it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. From what I've seen, um, I read up just before this, he was a part of the um, Gators program, um, but he was um, dismissed from that or he was suspended um, due to being in some form of involvement in credit card fraud. I uh, yeah. don't know how much that goes into any more detail and how much you can find out about that, but that's all I saw and kind of moved on from that. But in his first year, I did see that he got 10 sacks and four forced fumbles in his first year at UAB. So that that's a positive coming out of that, to be honest there. Um, so I think I, I think it is going to be a positive. Um, did, does anybody know, did he work under Urban Meyer? Did he work under him at Gators then? Or? I'm not too sure, actually. No. Um, I don't know. No, I, I don't 
think I don't think the times line up, but I'm not. I can't say for definite. No. Yeah, it just seems it just seems bizarre. Like you say, obviously, why we moved up those nine places to get that to get him. Um, like who knew about him is is my, kind of my question. Maybe maybe thinking that um, Urban Meyer was kind of around and knew knew of him at least um, back in college when he was obviously at the Gators and stuff. But I don't know about that. Um, so moving on to the last couple of picks, then so the 145th overall. Guess what? We finally drafted a tight end, but not a tight end that we were desperately after. We picked up another blocking tight end, Luke Farrell. What do you know on Luke Farrell, Robson? Uh, I know that he was definitely the oldest player taken in this year's draft. Um, <laughs> OK. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no offence to that. Fair play. Obviously, I think, is he 29 years old, if I'm not mistaken? I think he's, I think he's fairly up there. He's quite an old lad, I think. Um, but again, uh, the first player taken from... Uh, Urban Meyer's former team, the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, as you just alluded to there, mate, um, he just adds another another frame that could probably help block. I know with the, especially now with the Travis Etienne pick, is I think that's going to be quite big in terms of the run game uh, with him and Robinson and Hyde. So I think someone like him, uh, along with Matt Hurts, O'Shaughnessy and Tyler Davis at the moment, you're probably looking at, unless something actually happens uh, with a trade, I think we're probably set at that, uh, at that tight end room. Um, but I think, again, he has the ability to get open. Um, I felt in terms of the players that went off the board that I, I think I, I saw we were linked with in terms of like Frymouth was up there. I think there was a few more players on the board at the time that were probably a little bit better in terms of uh, pass catching and being a threat downfield. Um, but he's shown the ability to get open um, from time to time. And but I don't think he's going to make any real inroads uh, down the field and really stress the defence at all. So I think, yeah, he's just someone to get tucked in uh, against the line. Just hopefully make some absolute manholes for... Um, for our running backs to run through and obviously make it some ground. Yeah, that's absolutely huge, that. I think that's definitely something that we need. So for, um, for finishing off the draft, we picked up Jalen Camp, um, who was a wide receiver coming out of Georgia Tech. Um, from what I've kind of seen, the scene he had a massive pro day. Um, he bench-pressed 225 um, 30 times, which would have broken the record for receivers at Combine. Um, unfortunately, because it was just a pro day, it wasn't. It doesn't actually count towards the NFL Combine records. And he ran a huge 4.43. Um, do, do you know any more about him, Robson, other than those? Uh, I think a lot of people have said that um, as a later round pick, he was probably one of the, the best ones down there. Again, yeah. I think as a it adds more depth in that uh, in that aspect, as you just mentioned there, but it would have been combined scores. Um, it's really good to see. And I think as well, you look at it, um, again, a player that I know, I think Urban Meyer did state in a little press conference that like the guy's got a great attitude. And I think from what we all saw last year in terms of players, I think attitude stands above any sort of talent. If you don't work hard, then your talent's not going to prevail, really. So I think that side of it's really, really massive. Um, but then, End of the day, I think he's really, really raw, uh, which is obviously why he's down in that sort of position uh, in the sixth round. But again, you're looking at someone with a 4-4-3, not explosive, but in and out of his routes, I, I, I've seen that he, he can be fairly explosive out of those. Um, and in terms of going up for the high ball, again, not out of reach, really. Uh, I think he got something like a foot, almost a 40-inch vertical jump, which is, is OK. Um, but I say, I think with the bench press, it just shows that he's a, he's a strong, busty lad. And I think he'll, he'll really thrive on having uh, someone in his face trying to cover him all the way down the field. Yeah, definitely. Um, that concluded the draft. So from what I from what I kind of seen and kind of the the the, the kind of the, the reviews so far, I have seen they kind of ranked the Jaguars at an A or an A minus. How do you think we ranked overall coming out the back of that draft? Um, start with you, Brit Jag. What did you think? Yeah, I think overall we've addressed a lot of needs and and we were always going to get a fairly good grade because, you know, Trevor Lawrence. So, like, it's hard to go wrong when you're picking a generational quarterback. So, um, yeah, I think a big part of it, you've got got to allow Urban and obviously Trent's been there before, but with Urban, it is his first draft and he's using a lot of his college expertise and obviously a lot of these guys even if he didn't necessarily work with them specifically he might have been involved in kind of recruit trying to recruit them to Ohio State or or obviously a range of other he he would have had interaction with a lot of them and covering them for Fox when he was doing the the college coverage so that that knowledge isn't something to be taken lightly that's that's actually a huge benefit that I don't know if necessarily is even been thought about really 
um, when it comes to comparing it to other NFL head coaches who just haven't had that that interaction with these players and and done that level of research. So I'm happy. I, I'm kind of trusting his judgment so far. And we'll see. Obviously, come September when it all kind of gets goes out on the field, and we'll get to see if he was uh, right in his in his judgment. Yeah, I feel the same. I think it's kind of just a case of trust the process. I think that's all we kind of can do, really. What do you think on that, Robson? Yeah, I think I think I think the theme of this draft for me, um, we spoke about players that have got these injury histories and not played that much. I think. In their view, they're picking the best player on the board. Uh, I think they know that the defense needs a lot of work doing to it, but they, I think they can see that the offense is a is a massive, massive factor why this team is going to do so well. So you brought in Daryl Bevel as your OC. You drafted uh, Lawrence and Etienne as your first two picks, both on offense, uh, which, again, is going to add to what we've already got. And obviously from there, I think into uh, round two, to obviously even to the undrafted free agents, I think you're looking at, at taking the best players possible that they really feel that can make a difference. And again, Urban Meyer's got the strategy of like the best players will play. Obviously, that's what that's how it works for him in college. So if you're not at your A game, I don't think he's too shy on uh, on making any sort of rash decisions, which I thought with the old regime wasn't. I never really got that vibe. I thought you'd still you still go out and play whether you were had a bad bad attitude or not. Um, so I think it's just we've got a nice young raw, but I think highly talented group in terms of the ceiling. Uh, and I think again, as we all just said there, the process has got to be trusted for two or three years, and then we can really start determining whether it's been a success or not, I think. Yeah, I think trust the process and just hope the gambles pay off with a couple of those injury picks and opt-outs, I believe. Um, just to finish off, we also picked up six undrafted free agencies at the end of the day. Also, uh, we picked up four defence and then another two wide receivers. Which one of you is going to pronounce one of these wide receivers' names? You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Who, who's who's going to pronounce it? Who knows how to pronounce his name? I, th- I think I think it's I'm Mutter Bebe. I'm Mutter Bebe. Okay. Robson, um, going with. Mutter Bebe, I think is I think that's bang on what Lee just said there. Actually, I'm trying to break it down in my head, but I'm well, gonna, on the yeah. Jaguars um, app, um, he has got a star next to his name, and it says how to pronounce it underneath it. And the way it's supposed to read, I mean, I'm probably still going to get it wrong, is E, Matt or Bebe. E, Matt or Bebe. Ah, okay. Beginning with a double E is kind of how to say it is what they've said on there. So um, he's the only guy I've kind of seen any kind of news on um, just for that absolutely huge leap that he can do. Did he clear the board? Did he clear the actual board? I don't think he was Um, far off it, you know. I think he wasn't far off it at all. Yes, it's 46 inches, which would have, again, I mean, like we said before, it would have broken the combine record. Wow. Because it wasn't at at the combine. So, um, yeah, I mean, mean, that alone for wide receiver, I mean, even if you just stick him in the end zone and just tell him to run and jump, like... Game and Colin Johnson together, that would be insane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, so the only other one, I think, a a real note that I had any knowledge on was uh, Dylan Moses, the linebacker out of Alabama. Um, he has had through the a lot of the early draft process. So end part of last year, he was kind of getting first round grades. Um, he was really, really up there as. So I, I genuinely think this could be potentially one of the biggest steals of the entire draft. Sure. Um, it's it's injuries again, as as we said before. I feel like Urban is taking this massive gamble that, do you know what? If we draft three or four people that have had injury history that have fallen, but they hit that if two or three of these are do make it through and they recover from their injuries and they hit their ceilings, we've done really well. Um, yeah, because he, he tore his ACL in 2019. Um, he had a, a foot injury, which wiped out for most of 2017. He, he has, has been played with injuries. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that they're both different injuries. So it's not like there's one reoccurring thing. Um, but yeah, um, it touted really highly. Um, talent-wise, um, I did see he had taken out draft insurance on himself, which I didn't even know was a thing. Because, um, and I think he's getting like, I think he was talking about like some potentially a twelve million dollar payout because he didn't get drafted, um, which yeah. I, I thought was quite interesting, really. And obviously, there's some, uh, well, an insurance company thought he was that much of a nailed on to be picked that they were willing to cover him, and 
Wow. I bet they're regretting that now. But... <laughs> cool. Well, if you remember rightly from when Obermeyer first came in, he said he, he spoke about injuries and having the um the, the kind of the best the best kind of therapies and the best kind of physios in the class to avoid these sort of injuries. So maybe he's going off those sort of morals um by obviously picking up the obviously the best the best physios and stuff out there. I mean, I don't know who they've got, but I'm just kind of trusting his word when he first kind of joined joined the team. So maybe that kind of plays in hand with a little bit what he's saying. He's kind of expected it also himself to kind of trust the process and these players are going to go through rehab and come back all fit and fighting strong and not have a recurring injury. Um, but, I mean, they're playing bigger boys. They're playing bigger guys when it comes to the NFL, aren't they, really? So um, that's quite scary, obviously. With him playing at linebacker, having Derek Henry run at him, that could be a that could be career-ending injuries there alone if you don't get your get your tackle right and you're you're not fully fit, I suppose. Um, but that does conclude our um, podcast today. It's been a fantastic, lovely um, draft special. Um, I'd like to thank Brit Jag for getting involved with us. It was actually you that approached us, so this is actually all your idea. Um, so thank you, thank you very much for kind of getting in touch with us and agreeing to kind of all doing it together um for anybody who isn't subscribed to um brick jags um pages we have shared it a couple of times in the page before um brick jag is on twitter and also on facebook he also has his own podcast platform as well if you can give that a like and subscribe alongside ours as well make sure you're following us um and liking and subscribing also on facebook and twitter um I would just like to thank you all for listening in. It was a long podcast today, but full of useful information and a really good rundown of every player we picked up in the draft. So for me personally, that's a goodbye. Um, I'll leave it to um, Robson to say goodbye and then Lee to finish off with his Brit Jack. Yeah, again, boys, thank you for this today. Lee, it's been great to have you on. Uh, obviously, good to hear another point of view from obviously a Jack's perspective. Uh, me and Jamie do get quite heated at times when we do discuss these things. So it's nice to have a cool and calm, collected person alongside us. So I'm sure we can sort this out in the future as well. Uh, no, definitely. I um, really appreciate you guys doing this with me. Um, it's nice because obviously my podcast it tends to be just me rambling on for 30 minutes at a time. So, no, I really enjoyed this. Thanks very much, guys. And um, hopefully do it again soon.